The second career win for Buckshot Jones in his 67th start. This is a production of Dirty Mo Media. One lap to go for Buckshot Jones. I believe Buckshot got him by a foot and a half. Hello, my name is Rick Houston, and you might want to go ahead and duck for cover because Buckshot Jones and I are about to get into a battle royale in this episode of the glorious, white-knuckled, God-fearing, spun-out, and half-turned-over Racing Stories podcast. Georgian takes the checkers in New Hampshire. Buckshot Jones wins. Trust me, old Buckshot's got another beatdown coming. That, and he owes me some serious money. Buckshot Jones was the quickest car that time by. Early in his career, Buckshot Jones had the chance to learn from a true legend of the sport, David Pearson. David was the father of Buckshot's crew chief, Ricky Pearson, and the team was run out of David's shop in Spartanburg, South Carolina. David's house was right across the street. As talented as David was on the racetrack, he also had a special gift for giving people a hard time. If he could scare the daylights out of somebody, it was to his great delight. And Buckshot? Yeah. David had his young protege in his crosshairs more than once. He went to a couple of tracks with us for the, since it was the first time I'd ever been there. He would try and show me the line, but uh, most of the time he'd always scare me pretty good. How would David Pearson go about scaring Buckshot Jones? Well, on road course racing, um, he was teaching me about the downshift, and we were in a little S10 truck, and he's flying down the road and i'm thinking he's going to turn into the shop and he wasn't he, he kept going straight but i was scared to death i was like there's no way we're going to make this turn <laughs> and then there was darlington a track where david pearson all but owned the competition once upon a time 12 poles 24 top five finishes 10 wins it was possible for other drivers to make it to victory lane at darlington but more often than not, they had to go through David Pearson to get there. The pace car and David Pearson lead him around for yet another green flag. The white flag snaps down on the Pure Leader Mercury number 21. David Pearson need only circle his oval one more time. The checkered flag. David Pearson is the winner of the 17th annual Rebel 500. And it didn't particularly matter whose car David was driving either. David won on the egg-shaped oval for Holman Moody, the Wood Brothers, Rod Osterland, and Hoss Ellen. So off David and Buckshot go at Darlington, master and student. Or maybe they were prankster and prey. Darlington was probably the, the funniest. Uh, I guess you could say it's funny now. We went out in the van, and he was like two inches off that wall. And yeah. he was trying to show me the line. So he rides around two laps, come in. He goes, all right. He goes, do you understand? Do you see where the line is? And I'm like, hell no, I don't see where the line's at. I mean, you scared, you know, whatever I out of my me. eyes closed. Yeah. <laughs> so he'd just sit there and look at you and shake his head. That was David Pearson. He was Buckshot Jones's mentor and tormentor. Yeah, he was always over if I ever had questions. Um he was good. It was great having him, but it was just fun being around David because David liked to do pranks. Uh, I did too. 
and we were always no, doing really? that. Really? Oh did? yeah. Never noticed that. No, I usually didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's at about this point that I entered the picture. I got to know Buckshot and his dad Billy while covering what was then known as the Bush Series for the Winston Cup Scene newspaper. One Friday afternoon in August at Bristol, Buckshot and I wound up in the lounge of his holler for more than an hour. This wasn't necessarily an interview. To be honest, it was hotter than all Hades that day at the racetrack, and I was just hoping to find a cool spot out of the sun. Buckshot talked that day about a run-in with Randy LaJoy that had taken place earlier that year at Talladega. Buckshot had been fined $2,000 after that event, and he did not want to put himself in that kind of position and be hit with another fine. I understood, and I got an idea. All right, cool. The next time you get fined by NASCAR, you not only have to pay them, but you will also owe me the same amount. Deal? Buckshot grinned. Oh, yeah, sure, absolutely. Just a few hours later, that very same night, Randy and Buckshot made contact on the racetrack. Buckshot Jones only led one race in 1997. He led 32 laps in Milwaukee, but he had never led at Bristol until just then. We saw Buckshot take a dive of the joy going in the third corner. Okay. I'm sure he's upset and mad. He's not very smart. Randy never lifted going into turn one the next time around and spun Buckshot into the wall. Nearly a quarter of a century later, the memory of watching Buckshot's destroyed race car slowly making its way down the backstretch, very clearly waiting on Randy to come back around, is as vivid to me as if it had happened yesterday. Going into turn three, right below us in the press box, Randy eased to the outside of Buckshot's car under caution. Buckshot gunned his engine and steered up the track toward the left rear of Randy's car and just barely clipped it. The crowd went berserk. And sure enough, the following week, Buckshot was fined $5,000. The next time I saw him after the penalty was announced, I approached him with my hand out and pointing to it with the other. I didn't have much luck. Years later, I tried to collect again. We hung out in your holler, and we were talking about this, and we were talking about that. You'd had some run-ins with other drivers, and I think you'd been fined a time or two before that. And I told you at that point, I said, if you ever get fined again, you're going to owe me that same amount. <laughs> that night, Buckshot, that night you went after Randy, you got fined $5,000. Where's my money? Strangely enough, Buckshot's memory gets a little hazy when it comes to the matter of my big payday. Well, the backup, <laughs> the only time I've gotten fine was at Talladega with Randy. Okay. Uh, five grand and then got fined five grand, you know, from Bristol. Okay. And, you know. Well, if you want to make it 10, that's fine with me. Oh, no. <laughs> but, you know, I don't remember you saying that. 
you know, I would have to pay you the same amount. Oh, okay. So you're denying that. Yeah, I got a little forgetful there, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Thing is, that was only the beginning. And the second career win for Buckshot Jones in his 67th start. A Georgian takes the checkers in New Hampshire. Buckshot Jones wins. Tony Stewart second. LePage is third. Purvis fourth. LaJoy will finish fifth. Buckshot won at New Hampshire in May of 1998. His car had sustained a little bit of damage on the very first lap of the event, but he came back from the mishap and held off future cup superstar Tony Stewart for the victory. After Buckshot's post-race winner's interview, a fellow reporter and I headed to the garage to collect a few more quotes. As we got back to the media center, I turned to my co-conspirator. Just follow my lead. We re-entered the media center, and sure enough, there stood Buckshot and his crew chief, Ricky Pearson. I walked up to him, and I began in hushed tones. Dude, what's going on with your car? Buckshot looked at me quizzically. What are you talking about? I then invoked the name of one of my favorite and volically challenged NASCAR officials who was then serving as the Bush Series director. I don't know, man, but John Darby is looking for you, and he ain't smiling. He said there's something going on with your car, but he wouldn't tell us what. Buckshot blinked and then turned about three different shades of green. No way. We had him. All right, stay here if you want, but Darby ain't going to like it. Without another word, Buckshot turned and headed for the door leading to the garage. That was good enough, but the thing was, Ricky Pearson also fell for it, and so did Buckshot's PR rep, the track PR rep, and a couple of other reporters. Buckshot had himself a full-fledged entourage as he got to the steps of the NASCAR hauler. It's here that I made a tactical error. I stopped Buckshot before he entered the hauler and confronted Darby. I can only imagine how that exchange might have gone down, but instead, I yelled at Buckshot. Gotcha. They all stopped. Since this is a family podcast, I can't tell you exactly what Buckshot said in those next few moments. After the race, your car's determined to be very highly illegal. (laughs) (laughs) Once and for all, what exactly was wrong with that car? (laughs) Nothing. I was told by somebody that like, you know, played pranks that my, I think it was my carburetor was illegal. And I'm thinking there's no way it's because they seal the carburetor, you know. So yeah, someone played a pretty good prank. And I think I ended up getting that person back. I think you did too. (laughs) A Winston Cup scene photographer was nearby and captured an image of Buckshot pointing his finger at me. Later, I had him sign the photograph. When he gave it back, Buckshot had added a special inscription just for me. Rick, payback is hell. Buckshot got me back all right. The next year at Pikes Peak, somebody brought a cake to the team's hauler to celebrate Buckshot's birthday the day before the race. And this was a very large cake. 
decorated with a lot of different colored icing. I saw the cake as I approached the hauler. Buckshot picked it up and headed toward me. I couldn't back down, and I said in as tough a voice as I could muster, you ain't man enough. That was a stupid thing to say. Before I could possibly react, wham, the whole thing right in my face. Well, I knew that you loved cake. (laughs) I didn't want the whole thing, man. Well, I knew you loved cake, and I didn't like it, you know, a lot, so I just gave you the whole cake. I was being nice. (laughs) You got to admit, though, that was pretty funny. Funny? No. That's not exactly how I would have put it. With the remains of the cake all over me, I had to find something else to wear the rest of the day. I headed for Souvenir Row and promptly bought a Randy LaJoy t-shirt. Buckshot, meanwhile, got called to the NASCAR hauler. And this time, I did not stop him before he got there. I think, you know, they were more just joking. But then for some reason, I'm thinking they thought I was mad that you were something through the cake. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because when I went over there, they just were kind of smiling. And they're like, so, you want to tell us what happened? (laughs) So, I mean... Yeah. Thinking about it now, it's like... I oh, so thought, they were going to blame me. No, mm-hmm. we can't have that now. Uh-uh. No, I mean, they, no. they thought it was funny, but I think they were wanting to make sure that it was what they thought yeah, yeah. and not that it was, you know, I just threw cake, you know, in your face. It was hard for others in the media center not to notice my predicament. ESPN's renowned pit reporter, Dr. Jerry Punch, saw me literally covered in multicolored cake icing from head to toe. And Doc Punch, he doesn't forget. Let's go back to the tape. Now we go to Michigan the next year. I don't remember anything about that. You don't remember? Fine. Have it your way. I'll be more than happy to refresh your memory, Mr. Jones. I flew into Detroit on the Thursday before the race and happened to meet Jerry at baggage claim. Rick, did you ever get buckshot back for Pikes Peak last year? No, I'm just biding my time. Jerry turned to Matt Yoakum, another talented ESPN pit reporter. Matt, Rick here has something to tell you. Y'all work something out. And with that, it was on. I stopped at a grocery store on the way to the track that very afternoon and bought a pie crust and two or three cans of whipped cream. As I put the ingredients together in the media center, Matt headed to the garage and lined up an interview with Buckshot. Oh, that's right, because Matt was acting like he was going to do like an interview. Oh, he was doing an interview. But it wasn't a real interview. It oh, was it, setting me up. It, oh, yeah, you were set up. So then somebody and you were set up, up to behind the, me. Yeah, you were set up to the point where we actually faced you away from the garage entrance so you wouldn't see me coming. With the camera rolling, I crept up behind Buckshot and waited for just the right moment. And then, just like that, instant payback. Buckshot was then covered in whipped cream. He blinked and tried to wipe it from his eyes. He looked at Matt. I'm going to get you. Next, it was the person holding the camera's turn. I'm going to get you. Finally, he saw me. I'm really going to get you. Turns out, that was the last shot fired in our practical joke for today. My bosses at Winston Cup scene, 
they found out about my stunt and sort of put the kibosh on any further shenanigans. I wasn't in trouble, but the truth be known, it probably was time for a ceasefire. Still, I won. And more than 20 years later, Buckshot still hasn't forgotten. Surely, after all that time, you would think that he might have forgiven me. Right? In all honesty, not one bit. I still look at it that I owe Rick back. And, you know, it's been, been a while, but, you know, okay. I still get my chance. I'll just say this. I'm going to make sure you're out of the parking lot today <laughs> <laughs> before I leave. Oh, I'm not going to do it if you're expecting it. I'm, when I get you back, you're not going to have a clue. Okay. All right. Okay. I'll just wait on it. Yeah, but I still haven't forgot. <laughs> you're like Jimmy Spencer. You don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Rick Houston, and I'm going to be looking over my shoulder until next week when we bring you the next episode of the glorious, white-knuckled, God-fearing, spun-out, and half-turned-over Racing Stories podcast. Glorious Racing Stories is a production of Dirty Mo Media, hosted by me, Rick Houston. This show is produced by Andrew Curland, executive producers Mike Davis and Jason Schultz. Artwork is by Sean Sin. Broadcast audio is credited to MRN, Fox, ESPN, and CBS. Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo. Dirty Mo.